You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. We're asking the tough questions like, who is Jack Crusher? Can Data's good side beat lore? And is Captain Shaw sexier when he's been beat up? It's Monday night at 7 p.m. You're with us, and that can only mean it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Holly Amos. Tonight, does the word Dominion sound familiar? <gasps> like the, the whole war that happened years ago? Well, it should, because it's the name of tonight's episode of Star Trek Picard. And we are here, as we are each week, to chat with you and to try to connect the dots. As always, you are part of the show in the Facebook chat and live on the air with us. And you know what to do. You click on the Zoom link, or you can give us a ring using the one tap from your smartphone, or you can call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and password you see in the show notes. So uh, as we are all waiting for you to do your thing and line up in the Earl Green Room, let's see who's in the chat with us tonight. By the way, we have to start out right away, right at the top. First one in the chat, as he is often, Bob Amos. Let's see. You recognize the last name. It's Holly's dad. And uh, I've been told that there's a birthday tomorrow. Yes, there is. All right. Well, happy birthday. Not even a day early, just a few hours early. So happy birthday to be Bob. Good to see you. Good to have you. He was born near Boston, so he's like so he's already yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like super close. Yeah, super close. Are you doing anything tomorrow to celebrate with him? Uh, I will call him as always. Um, yes. I believe I'm going out to see my parents this this weekend because I don't have anything happening on Easter. Excellent. All right. Very good. So happy birthday to be to Bob. Uh, I love uh, two Pauls back to back just right away the, uh, chatting. And then third Paul joined a little bit later. Very glad to see that. There's Alan. There's James. There's Brett. Uh, there is, let's see, ooh, Jason. Oh, I, I love Scott Palm here asking, are the Pauls meaty changelings? <laughs> Could be, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see if that uh changeling detector is working correctly there's jane uh let's see here there's dave maybe we'll have another dave join us a little bit there's mark uh let's see there's dominic how are you dom good to see you my friend uh let's see who else we got uh oh john arminio glad to see him greetings changelings and solids alike he says (laughs) so that's very cool uh john kirk Carlos, glad to see you on BC with the Alamoraine, of course. Alamoraine. Every time. Yeah. Every time. (laughs) But a lot of happy (laughs) birthday bobs in there. Very glad to see that. Uh, So welcome one and all. And uh, just a little bit of business to catch up about here on what's happening in Mission Log World before we get to our recap and the show tonight. So this week on regular Mission Log on Thursday, our coverage of Voyager continues with Macrocosm. Holly, you and I, when we see each other in the office, I'll, I'll like tell you, hey, we're recording this today. And then usually have like a hilarious look on your face of recognition, like, oh, it depends on one. which which it, episode. It depends. Any quick thoughts about macrocosm? Like, are you in favor of Janeway fighting a giant virus with a knife in a corridor? Sure. I mean, I feel I feel like I feel neutral about that episode. Like, mm-hmm. it's not terrible, but it's not one of my favorites. But we do get a pretty awesome Janeway situation out of it yeah 
Yeah, very true. We do. So I'm I'm all in favor of that. By the way, Bob asked what happened to your background, John. Bob, I am not in the office. I am not in uh, L.A. I am back home visiting my parents uh, for a myriad of reasons. So I'll be here for the next few weeks and then, you know, back to uh, back to work. But we both have a little gallery wall. We do. We do. Even though I'm in a fake setup. Uh, I'm in a real setup. Some of my dad's fly fishing, fly tying work <laughs> behind. And then I'm over there maybe like 20 plus years ago uh, fishing in New Mexico. So it, there's like all kinds of cool stuff to show off in here. But that's not why we're here. Uh, what, what, some other time I'll do the tour, I promise. Uh, but anyway, so macrocosm this week. And of course, if you can, if you're a member of our Patreon and therefore a member of our Discord, love for you to join us for our live chat on Discord Thursday afternoons when we talk about that week's episode. So uh, we'll talk Patreon a little later. Of course, you know that. Mission Log the Orville and Mission Log Prodigy, both of those shows are available as podcasts and as video casts. So if you'd like to catch up on those, like most recently Prodigy, we did a review of Supernova, the novel by Rob Perlman, friend of the show. Shout out to Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just go to podcast.ronberry.com, click on the show of your choice. You can find every audio feed there. And then you can also find the YouTube channel for each show there. That's a youtube.com slash Rob Entertainment. And I always say, if you don't see the platform that you prefer, let us know because we'll add it. We'll make sure that we're there. So and it'd have pod- to be a really new platform. I feel like we're on everything. I, I feel like we're on everything, but you know, some shows come and go. Like Mission Log's been around a long time. I feel like it's sort of been fed out everywhere, but some of it like Orville and Prodigy, a little bit newer, and maybe we overlook something. So let us know. Happy to add it for you, but you can find them all listed right now at podcast.roddenberry.com. And you said the magic word, Holly Dominion, at the top of the show. So (laughs) I know, I know who knew they'd be back, but but here we go. All right. Recap of this week's episode of Star Trek Picard, season three, episode seven, Dominion. In hiding, the crew of the Titan reach out to anyone who might be able to help them get to the bottom of their changing infiltration problem with Starfleet. Take, for example, Seven's old friend Tuvok, who seems super helpful on a monitor, but surprise, he's a changeling too. And when he's found out, he tells Seven, Picard, and the rest of them that they will wish for death when the changelings are done with them. Moving on. With hours to go until Frontier Day ceremonies, Dr. Crusher weighs out the moral implications of a weapon, or at least a tool, that can zero in on changelings. That brings us to the question of why the changelings would want Picard's and or Jack's body. Maybe it's to pass a DNA test at Frontier Day? Data Lord B. Forsung, that's my new name for him, might have some answers. Problem with that guy is you never know who you're going to get. He's literally, okay, mentally split with a war for dominance going on between the Data and Lore personalities. A few insults come flying out of his mouth, along with some indication that the secret to Picard's uniqueness is that his Eremotic syndrome was a misdiagnosis. Laura keeps peeking out, though, and for safety, Data Lord before Soong is shut down before he can get too out of hand. Jordy might have to separate the personalities, but that's delicate work, and he dare not rush the process, or they could lose the data partition forever. Back on the Shrike, Vatic is being threatened by her creepy morphing handling boss hand guy. 
She needs to find Jack pronto and needs to do it by whatever means are necessary or he'll rip her apart, literally. Where is Jack? He's on the Titan and a turbo lift with Sydney LaForge, and he's using some telepathic power to flirt with her. Okay, hold that thought for later, I guess, because an incoming signal from the Shrike and very likely Riker is pinging the Titan. Jack tosses out the radical idea that his old man, that maybe he could offer himself up in exchange for Riker. Picard says absolutely not. But what if they have an advantage here? Which seems to be a plan that looks like this. Play dead in the water, lure the Shrike there, and what do you know, Vatic can't resist the bait. She and a handful of goons take a shuttle over to the Titan, but it's a trap. There's running and shooting until they're all trapped behind force fields, including Jack and Sydney, who are being used as bait, but they can't be beamed out. Something is blocking Geordi from working transporter magic, and that something is Lore, now up and about on his own, no longer able to be switched off like a lamp. While we're figuring out whatever the hell he's up to, Picard and Beverly have a chance to interrogate Vatic. Her story is interesting. During the Dominion War, she was a POW at Daystrom along with nine other changelings. She was experimented upon tortured and in the process the new abilities like passing for human evolved she passed it along to others and eventually they broke free after vatic killed and took the form of the scientist who experimented on her picard claims ignorance to what happened there and vatic remarks what a lack of empathy humans seem to have after that emotional moment it's time for one more sorry i lied it's time for two more picard and crusher realize that they are com- compromising their values by holding vatic prisoner so what should they do Jordy pleads with da- the data partition to give him control of the titan systems so he can beam their people out too bad that doesn't work. Lore starts selectively dropping the force fields, allowing Vatic to escape and leaving Sydney and Jack to fight off two more goons. Jack gives an assist psychically to allow Sydney to defeat her goon. And at the last second, Data takes over Lore to open up the doors and drop the remaining fields. As Vatic scoops up one of her goons, Picard and Crusher have a lead on one of the trace elements used in the Changeling experiments on Daystrom. At least they can track them across the ship. Weapons are fired, but it's no use. Soon, Vatic and many more Changelings make their way to the bridge, killing or disarming anyone in their way. Once the bridge is taken, Vatic opens a channel Titan is hers now, and it's time for Jack Crusher to learn who he really is. Next week, maybe. The end. All right, Holly. There's, <laughs> there's our mystery. There's our mystery Picard. is... Yeah. Picard really messed things up. Yeah, he really I think we has. know how we can get Vatic. Oh, well, now she took over the ship. Yeah, well, exactly. And is she? Do you think she's just going to like announce uh, what Jack's? Because like we could solve a lot of issues if she just got on the horn and just said, "Yeah, here's a deal with Jack. Here's why we want him." <laughs> you know, I don't. The reason. Well, first of all, from a storytelling standpoint, no. But she also said when she first meets him in the corridor when they first get on board mm-hmm. that it would be more interesting to show him than to tell him. 
And I think she probably mm. feels that way about everything else, everybody else finding out. Why. I don't know. What is he? You and I made the same note that oh, the did, glowing we, red eye is very Pyrrhaith. Yeah. Is it a Pyrrhaith thing? And I forgot who in our uh, Twitter community posted a screen grab where it's Jake and Goldicott. Oh, really? Yeah. Jake, Jake from Goldicott. The Reckoning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Jack all next to each other. So. Yeah, I mean it's very reminiscent of a of a Paul Wraith possession. Yeah. Um I don't know. I I don't <laughs> yes. I fundamentally don't understand the the tel- telepathy situation. Mm-hmm. And I think this could be an interesting conversation. Do you remember a couple of years ago when I I think we were at the Scots Festival and I asked okay. you if you had an internal dialogue? Oh, yeah. I remember this conversation. Yes, okay. So absolutely. for those yeah. of us, for those who were mm. not there, which is everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, except um, for a bunch of Scottish people who were drinking scotch. But yeah. yes, yes, go ahead. So during like right before the pandemic and then through the pandemic, there was there was an interesting conversation that happened on Twitter where people became aware that that uh, there were other thought processes. Some people have an internal dialogue and some people don't. And it ended up it become there. There were all of these articles about it, and then I think they did a study in the UK about it. I don't have an internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. I see words, I see pictures, I see stuff moving around in my head, um, but I don't. I don't speak to myself in full sentences. And right. I was like, what if? Like I was Sydney, and Jack was trying to read my. Like, would he? <laughs> what would he? I the telepathy thing I don't think would work with me. It may not. He would just have to do it with pictograms and and just single words, right? Which he kind of did at some point, like roll, do you know, you know, fire, right. do, yeah, run. But, but that's so. a, that's a different thing too. Like even the telepathy of them being having that awkward. Why is flirting on Star Trek always awkward? As that's, hell? I I did not. I hope that there's a good reason for that. I hope there's a good carrying on the LaForge the LaForge family awkwardness. I yeah, guess. Which, and, by the way, <laughs> really glad to see it here in the chat. Uh, uh, Paul, uh, one of our Pauls, Paul Wright, responding to Brett saying, "I really hate how TNG did Jordy made him all awkward around around women. He's my favorite character." And yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's it's good to see a mature Jordy who has a bit more agency. I have maybe slight, very slightly mixed feelings about his impassioned speech to Data slash Laura slash Soon slash oh, oh no, I lost it. I was crying. Did you? Okay, yeah. you see, I I thought it was dramatic. I thought it was handled beautifully. I mean, you don't get much better than an actor like LeVar Burton, no matter what. Um, I Maybe it was just, I, I don't know. We've had so little of Jordy in the series so far, and you have to cram a lot in. You have to establish who he is, where his loyalties are, how he's resistant. Then you have to break down the resistance, and you have to get him back on board to be part of the team. Then you have to have emotionally open up to data. And like, if you add up all the Jordy time that we've had, it's maybe like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, I found myself uh, kind of going in and out of my commitment to that scene. No slight against the performances at all, because he's freaking great. I think it's just my own uh, kind of barrier there with that. Um, well, I mean, I, be, being a data girl, I was like, oh, that, well, sure. that's what I would say to data. Your it's, death destroyed me. 
Yeah. Yeah. But the whole like Jack thing also like, I don't, I, it's not just the telepathy. It's like, he basically like avatared her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot to learn. I don't know. I can't, I don't know what he is. And I'm like very excited to, to find out. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to our first callers. We've got a handful of people lined up tonight. So uh, hold on. We will get to everybody. Chris, Brandon, Paul, Alan, John, and Tim. So stick around. Uh, but Chris, let's bring you in and uh, you in tell us what's on your mind tonight. Friend, what's up? Hey, doing good. Doing good. I will say, and this may or may not be a hot take. We'll see when I say it. Um <laughs> The the Jack Sydney mirror match thing is honestly maybe my favorite sequence of this year so far. Um, not only because I really like the mirror match gimmick, um, but I think it's a really good illustration of just like a nice tight little mini story because you go from being afraid that Sydney's going to die to being excited that she's not going to die with the gimmick. And then at the very mm-hmm. end, you get her kind of like, wait, what happened? Like the way she's like, wait, hold on, hang on, pause. You know, just the way she, like, processes it. She's like, oh, maybe I, do I still like you? Was this, like, did you, like, did I consent to this? Like, right. it's, it's, it's a very interesting sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, I and, and I just, like, it's one of those weird things to introduce kind of late, into the series and, and i get it like there are all these layers that we are revealing about jack but we've spent a lot of time with him with the red eyes and the creepy growing vines uh, yeah. and him discovering his own strengths but like that seems like a very specific thing is that i can just jump into somebody else's mind if so. it has nothing to do with paul race they should have picked something other than glowing red eyes which is <laughs> genuine like not just in star trek but that's a little bit of a trope right yeah Um, oh totally but yeah the telepathy thing was never really part like that's why i'm i'm confused which is good like i Mm -hmm. i'm i don't think that we've figured it out by the way here's a dumb question that i had to myself while i was watching the episode in that scene I, I, it's either right before or right after uh, he's looking at Sydney and she says something like, why are you looking at me that way? Yeah. And we, we, as the audience see the glowing red eyes. My question was always a, what is the mechanism of glowing red eyes in a person who just has eyes? Okay. Whether you're Cardassian or human or whatever. And B does the other person in the scene see those red glowing eyes because to me that would just be like you just kill all the lights where you are look for the red eyes and aim that way right uh you know yeah i I feel like the answer is on ds9 yes here no like okay on here it seems like the red eyes are mainly a thing for us to know that he's kind of like in the dream state yeah well sydney had red eyes at some point too when they were connected Oh, did they? I didn't catch that. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Sydney's eyes glowed red um, either, I think, right after the Avatar situation where he basically controlled her. Um, and she's on the floor or something and she's getting up. I'd have to rewatch it. But it's in that. It's Her eyes are red at some point, too. Interesting. Scott Palm saying Jack is not human. <laughs> and, well, no. And there's so many different things that Vatic has said, right? Like, yeah, he's yeah. not for me. And then later she's like, he's not for you either. And Beverly is like, what the hell does that mean? And I'm like, I have the same question. 
Right. What, but it might also explain, this is weird, but I was like, I, when we first learned of Jack's existence, I was like, how old would that have made Beverly? Like, I, uh, yeah, a lot of questions I had there. Yeah. So did she have a miracle pregnancy at that age because he was like implanted or something? But that still would have had to be Ooh, like, it, it is the it's future. Still, she but they it still would have she still had relations with Picard. They would have had to rely on that actually happening so that neither Picard or Beverly were suspicious about like her having this like jesus pregnancy like you know right, i don't right yeah I'm, oh, by I, the way, I want to see how this yeah this is hilarious in the chat jane says sydney's eyes were glowing red when they were playing the mall arcade game <laughs> i just i just love it it's, it's the mall arcade game <laughs> nice nicely said and paul wright saying well it is the 25th century so yeah i mean look and i, I always pointed out in the 24th century episodes you can do cool stuff like uh you know great plastic surgery with no problem so there are many things that could account for uh for that um carlos saying beverly is a changeling i don't know we you, you know everybody's a changeling we got three episodes to to bring this home um chris any other thoughts tonight before we go to our next caller yeah i don't know i don't have an answer to this but i just something i noticed that was interesting is that um jordy's you know impassioned speech to data is the way the episode is cut it's juxtaposed with bevan mccard's like contemplation of gunning vatic down i was like am i supposed to read into this I feel like I'm supposed to maybe read something, but I don't know what. I mean, like, this is this is an interesting. They've yeah. been they've been doing that a lot though, because one of the previous episodes, uh, they had Picard, uh, and his when he was talking to Jordy, interspliced with something else, and it felt very cinematic to me. So mm. I f- I want to think that this is just how they're choosing to present it. I, I yeah. don't know if we should be reading into it more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that is a good question. I don't know. I, I think it, it like my gut tells me it is a creative dramatic editing choice. Yeah. But if there is a textual reason for this, I'd be very interested to know. Yeah, yeah I would be too, because it's, it's certainly yeah. not the first time that they've edited, edited that that way. Yeah, because yeah. to me, just real quickly, because I know we got people, my thing mm-hmm. was like, oh, it's Jordy doing like the good right thing and Bevan McCard not wanting to. Well, it's certainly like, a good juxtaposition, yeah. yeah. That that yeah. was my like initial impulse, which I don't yeah. know if it means yeah. anything, but that was, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate it. We will see you again soon. By the way, just have to go through some more of these uh, these chat comments because they're killing me. Jane saying maybe it was immaculate candleception. <laughs> so... I hate everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon saying the Titan is a changeling. And uh, welcome here to uh, David. Other David showed up. Not that David. The other David showed up and he says, wasn't Nemesis 21 years ago? It's so weird. I'm fairly certain Jack is older than than 21 yes to me he plays about 28 30 somewhere around there so he was born and then they did insurrection and nemesis so yeah i i I, it doesn't play totally right for me david i absolutely get that um (laughs) brett brett says reply to dave taylor we don't talk about that uh so (laughs) wait wait, what um 
Oh, shoot. I can't see what he was replying to, but that's too bad. Welcome, Captain Mike. Welcome, Heather. And uh, let's see here. Oh, oh, and Mike saying that the actor is like 34. See, that yeah. that plays much more real to me. Yeah. Uh, okay. They're playing fast and loose there. But again, it's the 25th century. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Could be anything. All right. Let's go to our next caller. Brandon has been standing by as he is wont to do in the Cerritos. How are you doing tonight, Brandon? Hey, guys, I'm doing okay. Um, Before I get to my main point, Holly, John, I was actually just wrapping up my annual security training for work, and I was hoping you could help me with a question here. Um, You find a phone, an Android, um, with a label that says it contains unstable and dangerous code. Where do you plug it in? A, the central mainframe that contains all the important information and controls everything, even down to the very elevators. Or Mm -hmm. B, literally anywhere else, including (laughs) nowhere at all. And I'm just stuck. Yeah, yeah. This, you know, I'm so glad that we have a security professional here. And um, and as you know, Holly and I are both security professionals as well. So you came to the right place. Um, yeah. The Listen, answer- in Jordy's defense, the security <laughs> officer on the Enterprise was Worf, and he's not there. It's true. So, so there's no way to make this call at all. He, he just, <laughs> yeah. If if only they had, uh, if only they had Worf. Yeah. What you want to do is make sure that your most precious and important systems that literally drive the whole mission are the ones that are connected. I mean, I, yeah. I was yelling like, just unplug them. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's, it, the whole idea is interesting anyway, because they keep making a point of saying, well, this isn't data. It isn't lore. It isn't before. It isn't Sung. It's this golem that is something else. That's yeah. More, it's a, more amalgamation. Yeah. More human. But they, he's still got a kill switch. He said, because they, they woke him the one time and Jordy was very clear about like, yeah, you know, we just, we, we've only turned on the brain and the mouth. Cognitive we haven't, function. Yeah. 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 We, he, he can't like walk around or slap you or anything. Um, and then when we're done with him, just boom, turn him off. So that, that just seems really weird. Mark in the chat says the golem has Bluetooth. So uh, very, very convenient there. Yeah. And Jason says the new model should have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and Brad mentioning Lal. They mentioned Lal the very first time when they were in Daystrom. Yeah. But then they just stopped talking about Lal. And it's yeah. like, oh, my gosh, this may be data or it may be lore. I would think Sung would have a lot to say about this as well. And maybe before. And Lal is just totally an afterthought at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, uh, Brandon, what do you got for us tonight? Other than your pressing security, <laughs> the main questions. point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll find some answer to that somewhere. Um, <laughs> there was something with the substance of this episode um, that, uh, shall we say, elicited an emotional response. Um, so we learned in this episode that. Starfleet didn't just engineer a bioweapon to fight the Dominion. And we could, you know, we could be like, okay, well, they scanned them and they figured out whatever. And then they just did the thing. And that's really bad. But Mm. um, they didn't just do that. Now we find out that they tortured sentient life prisoners of war, which probably we have the Geneva Convention plus here. But we're going to violate that um, to create super soldiers, because I guess they've never watched a Marvel movie or I don't know, Star Trek to learn <laughs> that creating super soldiers or super spies is a bad idea. Right. Um, it's not just that it's a bad idea. This is Starfleet during the DS9 era. 
not the mm-hmm. new fallen edgy Starfleet. It it was meticulous, methodical torment decades ago. So Picard started off season one telling us Starfleet isn't what it once was. And now as we're approaching the end, it's telling us, well, actually, it is because it was never what you thought it was. No. Some parts were evil the whole time. Humanity has always been rotten and will always be rotten. Oof. And that makes me so mad coming mm-hmm. from a Star Trek show because it's dragging down all of the other stories that have already been told by being like, yeah, that's all like underneath all of that though. This yeah. has always been festering. And I, I mean, it, it should. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Holly. It, I mean, it's specifically section 31, which has always been a little bit of a, a CD story portion of, of Starfleet. Um, them, what made me a little bit more angry, even than just all of that was the fact that, According to Vatic, they came up with, I mean, they had the cure. And then as far as Picard and Beverly knew that the it was sent into the Great Link and she's like, no, it wasn't. We had to steal it from you. The fact that that was like created and then withheld is kind of the worst thing that I've ever heard. I thought that Odo was the cure because he merged with like a baby changeling. So I got really confused with with what. Vatic said, which is like, we stole it from you. And I was like, hold up a minute. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, right. I mean, I'm sure we're going to learn more about that, but it, it, can we talk a little bit more about Vatic though? Because she's, she's kind of one of my favorite versions of a quote unquote villain. I don't think she's a villain. She's like Khan. She's an antagonist. She's not wrong. Right. Yeah. Like she's not like, am I kind of rooting for her? Well, I, I think, look, the, this is what makes a character like that and a motivation like this interesting and mean something other than just I'm a mustache twirling villain. Um, right. I, I, I'm glad that the problems with the Dominion War have repercussions and they are being revisited. Um, I, I think this is a really smart and uh, uh, meaningful way to do that. Um I, Brandon, I, I cannot agree with you more. And, and it's funny because this is a conversation that in bits and pieces we've been having sort of privately. <laughs> so, you know, when Norman and I talk or that Earl chimes in on our Slack or whatever, it, it's like, oh, is this what we're doing again? Where it's not just that the problems like like people can be imperfect but the problems that imperfect people bring to an institution like Starfleet or the Federation are so gross and so pervasive that we are constantly in the, it's not even just a state of vigilance anymore. It's a state of warfare about that. And um, I think that story is interesting to tell every now and then when that is the point of the story is that we need to be vigilant and we need to make sure that we are constantly making the institutions that are about humanity uh, uh, strive towards something more perfect, strive towards something better than our worst impulses and our worst desires. But when that story becomes the only story that we're telling over and over and over and over again, I need to take a break from, I need something fresh and new. (laughs) You know, I I have had many an argument with people. Look, this is not uh, in any way to sort of trash 
this season or this episode or new directions of Star Trek at all has nothing to do with that. I do want to share a conversation, though, that I have had more than a few times when various people have said, oh, well, you know, in Star Trek, you have to have the villain who does this. And I keep thinking, well, but in Star Trek four, which was the most popular movie up to that time, the villain was a misunderstood space probe that we needed to talk to, (laughs) you know, so it's not just like uh, Batman has to have the Joker. That that that's yeah. You, we can have those stories in Star Trek. Absolutely, we can also have other stories too, like Darmok. Um, yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and that's what I really liked about the last season of Discovery was, uh, you know, you may have mixed feelings about how we got there or what the stories were like, but having that beautiful moment of communication at the end, I thought really made it worth it. By the way, I don't want this moment to go by, by the way, because Dominic asked earlier in the chat, is that a pencil sharpener behind you? Yes, it is. But <laughs> it is. It is manual. It is not a battery powered pencil sharpener. So uh, thanks again to my dad in his study. So there we go. It's going back, going back. All right. <laughs> Brandon, any other thoughts before we move along? Um, just to, you know, point back again to our, our actual mustache twirling villain. She whistled while she tortured things. Yeah. Um, I forgot yep. to add that part. Um, and then, you know, we've just got a few episodes left. I think three three episodes left. And yeah. um, I look forward to whichever episode it is that has the first time that one of Picard's plans work. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I, the poor guy cannot catch a break, can't win for losing. No. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. And um, I just, thanks for your time, guys. Thanks for letting me uh, experience my emotional event. Oh, pleasure to see you, Brandon. Take care. Good to Until see you. next time. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. It is the bottom of the hour, so we have a little bit of business to take care of, but I do want to acknowledge that we have Paul, Alan, John Arminio, and Tim standing by. We will get to all of you, of course. Thank you again. And uh, Earl said this in the chat, which I love, when we were talking about missing lol from the the mix of this new golem. And Earl said it's a combination of lol and spot. Lol cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that's that's our Earl. <laughs> that is why he's here. Sorry, Dom, that you lost a bet. Uh, I'll make it up to you sometime. All right, let us talk very quickly. Oh, I left the bottles in the other room. I should have brought them in here as oh, props, but no. you know what time it's for. It's time to talk about Star Trek wines. And um, you know, I'm not even going to look at the notes because I'm going to tell you what you already know, uh, it, which is that Star Trek wines are delicious, and uh, they have gone the extra trouble of sourcing. Chateau Picard from the actual Chateau Picard, which I think is too cool because they could have just filled up those beautiful bottles with anything and said, look, it's Star Trek and it looks cool and we would have bought it. But no, no, no. They went the extra mile and they filled these bottles with something wonderful. And it's not just the Chateau Picard, which is great. I absolutely love that. To me, the unsung hero is the Federation Reserve Old Vine Zinfandel, which I would drink morning tonight. It is wonderful. It's so light and wonderful as a red. I love the Ryzen bottles. You just saw those in my office the other day, Holly. Yeah. You, you were admiring the Ryzen bottles. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're very pretty. They are indeed. And then the uh, Klingon blood wine, not made with actual blood, uh, but very good. It is a Cabernet uh, and it has a peppery, spicy finish to it. It, as one would expect, goes very well with uh, rich and spicy foods. 
try that on your next charcuterie. What I'm saying is there is something there for everyone. And if you go to StarTrekWines.com, here's the trick. Okay. You add stuff to your cart. You pick out the wine that you want. And then you grab the Federation medallion. That thing is metal and it's about yay big. And you can stick it on, you know, a mug or a bowl or whatever else and kind of shape it into place. When you add it to your cart and then you use the checkout code Roddenberry, the price of that just disappears. You get that for free. So if you want that beautiful medallion, it's actually on one of the bottles, but it was so popular, they figured, oh, we should be selling this separately. And now you can get it for free by using our checkout code Roddenberry. And browse the site. You can get uh, special packages. You can get the full Armada, which is every wine that they make. You yeah. get the Chateau Picard set, which I love, where you get the 2221, 2386, and 2401 bottles. And remember, these are the ones you see on screen. So they worked with the prop masters to get those originals. Then they manufacture them. Then those are the bottles that go back on set. So when you see them using those on on screen on the show, those are the bottles that you're getting. StarTrekWines.com. Remember to use our checkout code Roddenberry to get the medallion for free. Now, Holly, you're having a beer tonight, but you I know. am having a beer. Yeah, it's a, be- but it, but it's sort of Klingon. It's blood orange. Oh. I like, it's a blood I like orange that. Hefeweizen from California. Nice. But I have, and you it, have in it in that awesome very Star, fancy Trek Star Trek mug. cup. Yeah. I love that. I love <laughs> that thing. Um, all right. Well, let us move on to our next caller. And that is Paul. Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, but how do you know I'm not Alan? <laughs> <laughs> That's see? You could be you could just be a meat milkshake wearing a hoodie and I, I sitting in be, front of a tent. I could be out. I could be Alan, but then you'd ask me to sing and you'd know it's Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so That's very true. Yeah. Uh let's see. Morals, meanings, and messages. Holly, I I agree with you. I think Vodic is becoming someone I'm really having different feelings about. I mean, mm-hmm. amazing. And it comes down to a couple quotes, and the one that just gutted me was we were barely out of the gates of war, and your federation turned to genocide. Yep, that just—I it just happens to coincide. I'm reading a book about the Operation Paperclip, where the U.S. Uh, brought Ooh. a bunch of Nazi um, scientists over. And if you really find out about the history of those scientists, you you question a lot of things. And that's this thing just hit me right in the gut. But the second one, she said a little later. She knows what the river knows. And holy cow, it just, she's so ethereal yet creepy and, mm. and just a tremendous portrayal of, of this villain by this actress. I, I just ultimate respect, just amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to, to uh, build on to those two quotes, the quote that she said that hit me was uh, how remarkable it is for enlightened species to ignore <sighs> each other's pain. We took the same note. Oh, did we? <laughs> yes, yeah. That I, she said that, and I was like, "Ow!" I was right. Yeah. Oof. Is I, it, I, so, if, if any episode you know relates to what you bring as mission log, right, which is morals, mm-hmm. meanings, and messages, I'm like those three quotes. The show has done its job. Now, how it's doing its job, I think, is more for 
today's audience, which demands the violence, yeah. demands this kind of thing. And I, and I, they're walking that really careful line of being, you know, making the show interesting for today's audience, those of the 24 generation of this ultra violence thing, yet still bringing in their messages. And it's taken a long time, but this is actually going to be a great 10 part miniseries. I think it's going to go down well in Star Trek history, but it's not for everybody, John. You know, it's not yeah, for yeah. the majority of people my age, but I'm going to leave you. <laughs> I'm I, I, I do want to. I, I do want to say though. I, I I think that something that I appreciated about that uh, Picard Beverly Vatic conversation when we cut away to Picard and Beverly talking about the moral implications of what they were doing. I'm glad that that conversation got cut off (laughs) because there there really isn't an end to that conversation. You needed the dramatic moment. You needed for the force fields to drop. You needed for Vatic to leave because I think they could make an argument to say, okay, now we have the information. What can we do with it? What do we do with it to be ethical? If there is a way to be ethical here. Um, and I also, I want to ask you very quickly, if you have it handy, what is the name of that book you're reading about Operation Paperclip? I believe that's what it's called. Oh, okay. It's, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, by a young lady who from the Los Angeles time who wrote about area 51 a few years ago. I will, I will text it to you. Nice. Um, nice. And then, yes, you had a, a parting thought. Parting thought is, you know, pressing question. Lore is L O R E. And it's spelled, it said lore. Why is K O R E spelled said Corey? And we'll leave Ooh. you there. We'll just leave you there. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. I'll be up all <laughs> night for that. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Be good, Paul. All right. Welcoming to the show, Alan, who is not Paul, I don't think. No, they're in two places. They can't be. Well, I see both of them. It's, yeah, it's just the computer, uh, Holly. Well, they could be in the same place. Um, we don't, yeah. <laughs> What's up, Where Alan? Am I? <laughs> Are you? Uh, I'm. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say that I have joined the Pauls, or maybe the the Paul rates. <laughs> there we go. See, that's a new. It was so obvious, and we didn't get it before. You brought it to us. The Paul race. Good job. There we go. Yep. <laughs> now they have to get T-shirts. I, yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I think I've yeah. I've I've uh, I've spun off another another thing. But uh, <laughs> um, I've I've got a couple of thoughts that I wanted to run by you guys. Uh, some of them uh, serious. Some of them less serious. Let's start with the silly stuff. Okay. Um, you guys are Angelie knows. Yes. Yeah. Do you have what are what are your thoughts about the face? And do you recognize the performer? Ooh. Ooh. What are I, my thoughts of the face? Um, yes. I don't think... You're talking about Vatic's boss. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're a changeling. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging that. I'm curious to know what the Do you recognize is. the voice? I do not recognize the voice, but you might. Um, would you be surprised to learn that it is former L.A. weatherman Garth Kemp? Stop. No, it's not. Not? What? That is who is credited in the episode. Oh, my God. Get out of town. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you expect him to show up? In episode nine with a forecast. <laughs> that oh. would be so awesome. <laughs> That's I, what I want out of the Is it the same series. Garth Kemp, though? 
I would assume so. I mean, it would be really funny if it was like Johnny Mountain or something. Remember Johnny Mountain? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all right, listen, like if he does voice work, that's great. Good for him. Now I'm like furiously typing. Um, Voiceover (laughs) artist. Yeah, I don't know. LA Weatherman, Star Trek Picard. Oh my God. His Instagram says voice of quote unquote the face on hashtag Star Trek Picard, LA Weatherman. (laughs) By the way, I love this in the chat. Brandon says today's forecast, doom. (laughs) That's amazing. Good for him. Having like another aspect of a career. I love it. To be Incredible. fair, to be fair, I looked it up because I was like, is this somebody we should recognize? Should we expect them to show up at some point? Right. And the yeah. answer is no. <laughs> uh, you know what's occurred to me? And it's like not possible. But I was like, what if it's Odo? And then I was like, no, but it's not a changeling. And like Renee's yeah. gone. And like it can't. Yeah. That, I mean, Weatherman. Okay. Yeah. Or, or you know, for a while, I was thinking that it could be Loss's group from that episode of DS- DS9, but then you just get JG to, to do yeah. that voice. Right. Yeah. Right. I, so. I feel like it has to be a new species that we were not aware of, and I'm I'm very interested to learn what their motivation is, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. so many of these characters have, like, these motivations that are unfolding that, that you're like, oh, yeah. actually, they're, that's, they're kind of right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. Mind is blown by did, that. I didn't Thank to, you. I did not mean to blow your mind with that. Um, uh, you did. I'm afraid other, you did. The other yeah. thing that's sort of uh, I find interesting about the changelings is they seem to be sort of inconsistent. Well, I don't know if it's inconsistent, but uh, I noticed that she, Vanek specifically said no transporters when they went over to the Titan. Yeah. Um, they took over the transporter chief on the Titan. There's been some back and forth. Is it just because a transporter is an awfully convenient way to, to kill people? Or, or mm. is it something about them that uh, makes transporters well- a bad idea? Well, I think we're because pro- that's not the first time that's happened, right? Because the episode Row comes over very specifically. They're like, "Oh, they're they're coming over in a shuttlecraft." Yeah, there's a reason why. Yep. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I don't think we know what it is yet, but I yeah, mean, maybe there's... it has maybe it has something to do with the half life on the what is it Thalomian eight four seven, which is the stabilizing yep. agent. Yep. Perhaps. Don't know. Maybe. By Maybe, the way, uh, Earl Earl is on a on a hot streak here in the chat. In uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, for anybody who's not in the Earl Green Room, I, I feel bad for you. Uh, first of all, he said to Alan, "I surrender my dad joke trophy," <laughs> which, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, "Voiceover guy in need of Once work." A week for will, years. Yeah, will be menacing for food. And then here we go. The ultimate hashtag Pulaski was a changeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, oh, and so, then, uh, Jason in the chat, in the yeah. public chat, pointing out that the changelings that killed Roe transported. Um, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, there's yeah. there, that's the inconsistency that I'm like, well, mm-hmm. those guys beamed over, but maybe there's something, you know, there also seems to be some differences between the white uh, masked bird people and, and Big Red. Big Red is much more durable for some reason. Yeah. 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 
So I, I mean, I don't, I don't think we know the real. Somebody else said, uh, well, Captain Mike. Actually, they can probably be detected by transport it, because we we've, we've seen some of them transport at, when Roe was coming over. And again, I had no idea that Michelle mm. Forbes had joined the show. Yeah. Not a clue. Yeah. Um, I, they were like, oh, they insisted on coming over via a shuttlecraft. And I was like, is it bones? Um, <laughs> like, do they yeah, just right, hate right. transporters? Just hate transporters. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, these are all loose ends, like these threads that I hope get wrapped up because it's all stuff that we're noticing. Mm. And if by the end, we don't know why they insisted on shuttlecraft versus, in most cases, versus transporter, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely a curious thing that just keeps popping up as transporters for some reason. Um, So my serious thing, and you kind of touched on it a little bit uh, uh, right before I came came on, is the 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 moral dilemma that Beverly and Picard uh, are having about the nature of the changeling disease and the the steps that they could take to potentially detect them yeah and how close do we want to get to genocide yeah uh, and I'm, i mean beverly the one is the one that's yeah. saying everything right like i appreciated the the line where she says i'm i feel like i'm losing my compass yes yeah oh, exactly God, yes and mm-hmm. the the I, i'm curious just to hear how you where you guys are, how you guys are feeling about this. I've seen some very negative reaction to this as if it's some kind of like betrayal of, of her uh, character arc from TNG. Personally, I think it's incredibly, first of all, incredibly powerful and incredibly moving stuff, but I don't see it as a betrayal or, or as a change of who she is because they're having that conversation they're having that debate and they don't know where they stand where, where they stand on this thing but they're willing to talk about it they're not just like gung ho yeah let's go ahead and do this right i think it's it yeah. this it's sort of the same concept as as like a woman questioning whether or not she's a good mother well people who yeah. are terrible moms don't even have that question to themselves well, uh, and, and look and she's had 20 or 20 plus years of now her relationship with Jack and being on the run for so long as well. Recently. And she's also quote unquote lost a son, which is something that Vatic brings up in the form yeah. of Jack. Are yeah. you prepared to lose another son? I mean, yeah. Wesley's not dead, but he's gallivanting in the universe and she right. doesn't see him. And apparently totally unaware of this other thing going on yeah. <laughs> with his mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might have feelings about that. I, I think it's a little, uh, uh, a yeah, strange, having fun know? with Issa Briones and, you know, I can't yeah, believe sure. on, on some level, but, you yeah. know, come on, man. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Alan, any other thoughts before we go to our uh, last two um, calls? Well, I did have one, one line that sort of stuck out to me uh, when, uh, oh God, it's so close to my own name, Alondra. Uh, mm-hmm. says, uh, has lore always been this arch? First of all, yes. Second of all, <laughs> that can apply to so many people this season. <laughs> Everyone yes. is very arch, Alondra. Come on. Yes. Yeah. That is a great word. I love that it made it into the script. Um, yeah. I'm glad you <laughs> noticed that one too. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So. Good. 
Yeah. On that note, have a good evening, and uh, we'll we'll see how all of this uh, see where we go from here. <laughs> Excellent, my friend. Take care. Have a great night. Have a good one. Bye bye. All right. Be good. All right. Uh, welcoming now to the show, John Arminio. John, In the blue room. Yeah. Yay, how are you yeah. doing tonight, friend? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you. Uh, what is on your mind? Yeah. So, you know, I, I've um, uh, all this, you know, <laughs> this Dr. Mangala stuff that apparently Starfleet has been performing on the change lanes. That's sort of been my headcanon for section 31 since they were introduced mm. in yeah. DS nine, like CIA is going to CIA. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been, you know, part of my problem with section 31 as a, as a concept, uh, since Sloan had that monologue about how we're the reason why Starfleet still exists. We've been doing the dark, dirty deeds in the background for the past, you know, hundred years, and so now we've retconned uh, Starfleet to be committing war crimes constantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so for me, seeing it, seeing that explicitly told on screen is sort of like cathartic. It's like confronting mm-hmm. sort of what <laughs> what we've done to Star Trek in the last thirty years, and you know what we've turned Starfleet into. And, you know, I, I I also find that particularly unsavory and a little disappointing, but at least we're sort of coming out and saying it um, and hopefully redressing it. And, you know, when um, there's this through line of, you know, Picard saying, oh, it's worse than we thought, this infestation of the changelings, I, I don't know if it's intentional, but for me, there's already a deep-seated infestation of within Starfleet of Section 31, of these yes. unfederation, unstarfleet um tactics and morality and motivations that have already degraded the vaunted Federation. And it, it's already, you know, been crumbling long before the Chamberlains have even began their sort of secret invasion. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, it's it's interesting to note from like a behind the scenes standpoint that obvi- like the Section 31 and the Dominion and all of that largely became a thing in, in, in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And Deep Space Nine was the first show in which Gene was not directly involved in any way, shape or form because it premiered two years after he died. And we know that mostly, you know, the infamous story of him not wanting there to be like clashing with people with uh, within the ship. And like, um, so Iris, even bear, like introducing all of this stuff that I would argue that, that Gene maybe wouldn't be okay with would include section 31. Yeah, yeah, he would just absolutely despise Section 31. But it's good storytelling, too. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the flip side of it, is that it creates uh, friction that is is interesting. And it it still brings into question us as humans and whether or not we can be 100% good or if there are shades of gray. See, if we can ever get to a point in this storytelling where everybody can admit, like, yeah, these things that Section 31 does, uh, 
those are terrible, unethical, immoral things mm-hmm. uh, that absolutely do not align with our stated values. Therefore, we need to stop that. Um, yeah. I, like if we could ever have that conversation, I'd be very happy about it. But we seem to have just washed our hands of it and said, like, ah, yeah, but you know what? We're we're all corrupt on some level, and we just need this corrupt institution right along with us, and we'll pretend like it's not there. That's not a good enough answer for me. Uh, so if we can actually get to a point in this series where we can say wow, we really need to do some house cleaning. Uh, because when we introduced Section 31 in DS9, I felt like, particularly with Cisco's outrage, oh, we uh, okay, we're recognizing that it's a problem, mm-hmm. that a guy like Sloan is the problem, is the bad guy, and that is the kind of influence that needs to be eradicated so that we can live up to our principles, as opposed to uh, a lot of this kind of shrug and go like, eh, well, you know, we... We can't always be good, so yeah. why not just completely invest in being horrible, <laughs> you yeah. know? I, there's um, a pretty good episode called First Duty, uh, where they say oh, the I may have heard of, it. of every <laughs> Starfleet officer yes. is to the truth. And yeah. so if, if we have this whole department that we're not going to talk about that is by, by its mere existence means we're going to lie, 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 lie to do Mm -hmm. everything we need to that's anti-Starfleet and everything that, you know, Star Trek has sort of been about. And I understand, you know, you can't keep telling the same stories for 60 years over and over again. But, you know, like you said, John, it's we need to discuss (laughs) all the lies and the war crimes we've been telling and doing if if we're still going to pretend or or hold those values near and dear to us. And, and I've kind of looked at uh, Star Trek's history and every now and then uh, an episode or a storyline like that will come along and I go like, yeah, you know what? We we sometimes need that reset. We need to be able to step outside of ourselves, size up the situation and say, mm-hmm. we really got off track here and we need that reset to make sure that we are back on track. I think right where we are right now, where we've got 800 plus episodes of Star Trek and all these multiple series and movies and everything else, that it feels like it, it, it feels like it is the evergreen story as a corrupt admiral. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to that once in a while blip where you go like, "Ooh, wow, we really need to correct this problem. Like, yeah, we, we're also doing things out there, but we also need to turn the camera back on ourselves sometimes and make sure we're doing things right and then then carry on. But when it becomes the predominant story, um, I, I wonder if there are other stories then to be told. Yeah. I mean, if my, my greatest dream would be if we could get like a Star Trek six for section 31, it's like mm. the way Star Trek six looked back and said, Oh, we really otherized the Cleons in a pretty uncomfortable and bad way. Let's try and correct that. If we could get a story where we look back at section 31 and their legacy within the Federation. Yeah. Um, that would be great. I agree. I agree. All right, my friend. Thank you for calling in tonight. We got room for uh, one more caller tonight. We'll see you soon. I hope. Take care, John. And uh, closing out the show tonight, we welcome Tim. Tim is climbing a mountain. Why is Tim climbing a mountain? That's a plateau. That yeah, feels plateau. Mesa. 
It's Yosemite. If you look. Oh, is it? Right there. Yeah, right there. There we go. There he is. Captain JTK. <laughs> He's right there. He's freshly right there. resurrected. He only uh, <laughs> suffered severe injuries on Viridian 3. Um, that was it. Not not enough to keep him off that mountain. Yeah, That's go right. climb a rock. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and what's on your mind tonight? Oh boy! Uh, you know, I have to, uh, the only storyline that isn't working for me this season. Uh, I have to go back to the the Jack Crusher Red Door Red Vines mystery. Mm. It's it's dragging. It's too much. Uh, too much time devoted to to too little. Uh, development uh, basically until this episode all we got out of this was a little a little bit of space karate but the, the reality is um jack crusher is interesting enough as the uh child of jean luc and beverly the actor has terrific rapport with everyone he has a scene with this this concept of the dark vision feels like the one thing left over from season one and season two when we were striving for uh, prestige TV and we have to have a dark, horrific, violent, uh, shocking uh, storyline uh, that, that perhaps tricks the audience in some way. And season mm-hmm. three has largely avoided that. I mean, tonally, it's just completely different. Uh, this just doesn't feel like uh, it feels like something that and obviously we don't know how it resolves yet. Maybe it will resolve spectacularly, um, but it just feels like it's it's too much time devoted for something that that really hasn't paid off much at all. At this, I point. agree with you, and and agreeing with you in the chat actually is Alan saying I was just telling Earl this is about as far as I'm willing to go with the Jack Crusher mystery. Time to start landing that plane. Yeah, because he keeps uh, yeah. like he keeps developing new weird powers and like every time i'm like oh maybe it's this or maybe it's that like there's a new and i'm like can we just get to the point yeah yeah i i I don't know and maybe it is part of that problem with okay we have to fill 10 episodes so some things will be stretched out a little bit i felt like even this episode seven was good I, i mean episode seven Seven of nine is always good. <laughs> She's always great. But this particular episode, Dominion, um, it was fine. There were some good, strong, dramatic moments. Shaw. Shaw oh, my God. Shaw kills I have to mention him before we, before we go off the air because he doesn't have very much screen time in this. But Todd... Mm-hmm. The silent tears when he's laying uh, on the floor and Vatic is taking over. I was like, I live, like I had a live reaction and I sent it to Todd because I was like, how oh. are you doing this? Nice, nice. But I, I think that there are moments in this that could have been sort of moved into other, like if you had to lose an episode, you could take scenes from this episode and just fit them in. And I think not spend as much time with the, question about the red door the red vines not to be confused with red vines which are delicious if you like that kind of thing um but you could do that in other ways instead so of much, eating up a whole episode with so it. much red red matter red a angel a lot of red yeah it's just the best scenes with him are just him sitting at a bar having a conversation with someone and that's all it needs to be it doesn't have to be any any more complex than that. Um, yeah. I, I also uh, terrifically moved by the, the Jordy data scene and, and we don't get enough LeVar Burton acting uh, anymore. Uh, yeah. We forget how good he is. And it just, it, it, it strikes me as astonishing in retrospect, 35, 37 years ago, whatever it was uh, that, that 
someone said, let's let's take the actor with the most expressive eyes in human history and cover them for seven years <laughs> with a hair and clip, with a hair, hair clip. clip. Yeah. How how insane and brilliant is that? Because uh, he acted right through that thing. Um yeah. Just just the best. Um, I, I wanted to call in last week, and I know we're short on time, um, but I, I was sick as a targ last oh, week. Oh, yeah, nobody likes that. That's yeah. a reference, by the way. Yeah. Playing uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> on dog. Um, He's a, they're pigs. Are they pigs? Well, they're, in the show, pig, they're, they're pigs. Pig, oh. pig dogs? I thought they're they were they're pig, pig dogs. They're pig dogs. They're dog pigs, one or the other. They are tasty. I think one of the ones that was used on deep or on TNG, her name is like Lola or Lulu or something like that. Anyways, That's awesome. They're, they're pigs. Keep right. going. Fair enough. Carry fair on, enough. There, there was a lot of debate last week about the, the nostalgia fest of the Ooh. bounty episode. Yeah. And it, it seemed like most people were, were really into it, but that maybe it, didn't have a lasting impact and maybe it was a little too much. I wanted to advocate for the fan who loved every second of it and supports it fully to me. Hmm. Not every second of a television show has to drive the storyline forward, has to offer deep character work. Hmm. Um, Let's take five minutes and celebrate this thing we love in a way that only Star Trek can. There is no other show, maybe Doctor Who, that could take five minutes and have this level of nostalgia to just sit back and say, um, it, we, the creators of the show, love it the same way that you, the, the viewers of the show, do. And so I really, I really appreciated it. It gave me confidence that the last three episodes are going to be brought home. And uh, I really, really uh, uh, loved it. And every time it comes up on social media and I see a clip of uh, Jerry Ryan and, and Jack Crusher looking at the Voyager or the Enterprise A, I just sit and watch it. I, I could have five minutes of that every episode. So there are those of us out there who loved it uh, unabashedly and uh, support it happening again and again and again. Or, no, I mean, or they didn't... They didn't have a lot of 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 it in this episode, so I feel like right. it's, no. it's evening now. And I didn't hate it; I just felt like that that's all. It was a lot. I say, or if you're you're bold enough, you take nine minutes out of a feature film and you you just fly around the Enterprise. <laughs> you, yeah, you could do that too. Yeah, Perfect. no, I mean, like, I think we really get to a point of splitting hairs because everybody's threshold for uh, not not referencing Salamander Babies, everybody's threshold for where they draw the line with nostalgia versus, you know, just an in-universe reference that connects them to the universe. It's going to be different things. Uh, as we say, your mileage may vary. And um, I, you know, it's funny. I, I had, I, I listened to most of that show while you guys were live, uh, but I didn't hear all of it. And then I talked to Norman the next day and I was like, you know, what if they just split the episode and you, you had the uh, you had the museum stuff in one episode, you had the daystream stuff in another episode. And he said, I said that on the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Great minds. Yeah, I, I get it. So I, I think there's a way to handle it. Um, I also think that some shows like uh, Lower Decks, like that's baked into the cake. And for me, it's not necessarily about the number of references. It's about the pace and just yeah. how you land the joke, but I fully expect it there. So when I got an episode last week, it was like the double dose. I, I was a little 
shell shocked from it, you know. Uh, but I a hundred percent respect and appreciate where you're coming from with that, and I'm glad that it hit those buttons for you. That that sounds kind of magical. Magical uh, indeed. Uh, the Targ's name was Emmy Lou, and she was a Russian wild boar. Emmy Lou, Emmy Lou, the Targ. And where no man has gone before. Oh my God, I love it. All right, Amazing. Tim, <laughs> please call us back sometime. Talk to you then, okay? We'll see you soon. Bye bye. Cheers. And uh, with that, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log Live and Mission Log is by the incandescent Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to Holly fantastic guest host here on mission log live thanks to everyone who joined us live or later next week you'll be back for star trek picard episode eight with holly and norman we will see you then this is a roddenberry podcast for more great podcasts visit podcast.roddenberry.com